0: Well, let's turn in our Bibles. Let's go ahead to Psalm 37. How was the afternoon for everybody? Pretty good? Awesome. I'll assume that's a good from everybody. Good. Uh, had Had lunch with... The Gosnell slash McHugh people, McNew, McHugh, where did that come from, McNew, Uh, it's like new but from McDonald's, right, y'all have never heard that, have you ever heard that one, no, hey, an original, not funny but it's still original, Uh, anyhow, y'all are much better than McDonald's. I even put you at Chick-fil-A status. Now that's high praise. So uh so we're gonna be Psalm Psalm 37. And uh why don't we why don't we do this? Why don't we go ahead and stand and read our our verse tonight? Psalm 37. I'm just gonna read one verse <clears throat> and then uh and then we'll get into this. Psalm 37, in verse number 8, it says, cease from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not thyself in any wise to do evil. One more time, we'll read it. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not thyself in any wise to do evil. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for this church and their, their... their spirit that they have about them, the welcome uh, that we've received. I thank you for this church family, and I just pray a blessing on them. Bless uh, bless the uh, Knutons as they travel back, give them safety, and uh, Lord, I pray as they come back refreshed and renewed, they get right back into it, and uh, what a busy month we have coming up, but what a good type of busy it is. In Christ's name, amen. Thank you. you can be seated. We're going to We're going to be on the subject of anger. It's kind of a shock to you because of what this verse just said, but we're going to be on on anger tonight, and you may think, because I I think in terms of this, and when doing the study through this, I've studied through anger several different times, um, I don't really have an issue with this. This isn't an area that I have a problem, so it's kind of like us guys when we come to church on Mother's Day and they preach on moms. We're like, oh, I can sit back and relax. No, you can't. This is good stuff, and this is something that I thought, No, you know what, I don't have a problem with anger. And then I studied through it, and I said, you know what, I think I have a little bit of a problem with anger. I think I have a little bit of an issue with this. And and, and honestly, uh, to begin with, it started off with a a bit of a a misunderstanding of what anger was and what our rights were or my rights were with the subject or with anger itself. So at first, it's possible that some of these things may not... Uh, come across well at first, you may disagree. you may get angry all right thanks uh, no i don't i don 't think i 'm going to make anybody mad tonight but uh, but but with this subject, some of the things i 'm going to say may sound a little bit i don 't know surprising i maybe you 're like, you know what we 've been doing this longer than you, and none of this is a shock to us. It's just going to be a fun little Bible study. We're all going to agree with each other. But here's a statement that I want to start off from this standpoint, just so we can see where we're starting from. As a Christian, you and I have no right to hold on to nor to act in anger. We have no right to hold on to anger nor to act in anger. Now, this statement isn't really going to trigger a response. And from the faces that I just saw... uh, none of you really disagree strongly with the statement, which is good. It's a good thing. Um, But as we start looking at the implications, the things involved with the statement that we have no right to hold on to or act in anger, it becomes a little bit more of a tough pill to swallow. Because I'm not saying, I'm not saying that we don't have a right to explode on people. Anybody in here uh, that already thinks that we have as, as a Christian, well, because I'm a Christian, I have the right to blow up on anybody I want to and just yell at them and burst out in wrath. No, none of us probably think that about ourselves. We have that right. So that's, that's not what I'm talking about. It goes without saying. What I'm saying is the very spirit of anger doesn't belong to us. The, the very act of, of getting angry within ourselves doesn't belong to us. And when it arises within us, it's something that should be put down. It's not something that we should nurture or, or, or hold on to in any way, shape, or form. Um, it's not something that we're qualified to do, and it's simply not something we're capable of doing. So I want to go through three things tonight. <clears throat> the first one is this, the fact of anger. I want to look at some facts about anger. Um, anger is uh, described or defined as a strong feeling of displeasure and belligerence, Aroused by a wrong. Another word that's attached to anger is wrath. And another word attached to it is ire. Uh, in the South, we say you get your ire up. Y'all get your ire up out here? Your ire? I don't know how to even say the word. It's three letters and it barely even has half a syllable. Um, but uh, 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 wrath or, or this belligerence or displeasure that we feel, and usually it's aroused by some type of a wrong. Um, with anger, with anger, what we have, when 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 some wrong is done to us, what we have then is what's called a debt to debtor dynamic. It creates a relationship between two parties in which one has done something wrong to the other, and the other is owed something from the wronging party. Um, I, wh- wh- when, when somebody does you wrong, they take something from you, whether it's your peace, or whether they actually take a thing from you, but something is done to you and something is removed from you. And when that happens, there is a debt now that is owed. And because of the debt-to-debtor relationship, anger can burst out. Uh, we have, there are four different enemies of the heart that we've studied uh, at our church and in my teen class. One of them is guilt Guilt and anger kind of go hand in hand because guilt, I do you wrong, therefore I owe you something. That's what guilt says, I owe you. Anger is the opposite way. You did me wrong, therefore you owe me. And that's what anger says. Anger says you owe me something, I ought to get some retribution. In fact, something is owed to me, um, and it's, it's, it's right that I be repaid. Uh, anger is one of the most common and destructive Emotions. And in our society, this is in our society, anger is viewed as a virtue. Anger is viewed as virtue. In our churches, sometimes. In our Christian families, sometimes. Anger is viewed as a virtue. In fact, we even use the term righteous indignation. Um, I'll be nice and friendly until somebody crosses me. I will be calm and I'll be controlled until something doesn't go my way because then I then have the right to be angry about something. And here's the rub with regards to anger. If we'll be honest with ourselves, when something makes us angry, something makes us mad, we like it. We, I don't know about you. I, I truly did not believe that I had any issue with anger at all until studying through the subject. But when I really got down and got honest with myself, I enjoy being angry. It kind of feels good. I got something that I can direct something at somebody or something. We have ideologies that we can be angry at. We got got all kind of stuff we can be angry at. We can be angry about a lot of things. We kind of like it. We enjoy being angry, that rush that we get when something has gotten our ire up. We especially enjoy it when we feel justified in our anger. I really feel good about it when I'm mad about something and I have a right to be. Um, the problem with the fact of anger is that even though we can feel justified, the Bible doesn't give us permission to harbor or act in anger. Now, I know what you might be thinking. You might be quoting a verse in your head right now. Anybody know what verse I'm talking about? What verse would that be? Be a, but, ha, let's look at Ephesians 4, please. Ephesians chapter 4. And let's go to verse number 26. Ephesians 4.26 is a verse that says these words. Be ye angry. Now we like to stop there. Let's continue the verse. And sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Now, now I'm going submit to you, and we're going to read a lot of Scripture tonight. I'm going to submit to you this. This one verse in all of the Bible, read it cover to cover if you want to, not tonight, please listen to what I'm saying, but read it cover to cover. One time in the entire Bible you find the term, be angry, but it's connected, it's divided by one word. Between anger and sin is one word, and it's a conjunction that, that actually ties things together, and be angry and sin not. So this one verse, we derive all of our justification for our anger, all of our justification for our right to have anger and to be angry towards people. This, the fact that this, just this one verse is proof for our justification, that's the very definition of what we call a proof text in Bible study. A proof text is when we take one little piece of scripture and we use it to prove our point and drive our point through. That's the worst form of vice to Jesus. We ought not to do that. We're taking one verse of the Bible and we're pushing it. In fact, we're not just taking one verse of the Bible and arguing our right to be angry when the rest of the Bible warns against anger. We're actually, we're actually taking it out of context and then justifying Anger. If we just took this one verse and we put it into its context and read it as it was intended to be read, uh, it gets a little different. Read the context of the verse that is telling us to be angry. This is what the Bible's saying to us. You're going to get angry sometimes. You're human. He's writing to the church in Ephesus. You're going to get angry sometimes. You're human. But you have to release it. The verse here isn't a mandate for angry people. Angry people use it as their calling card, but it's not a mandate for anger. In the context, he's talking to young Christians. He's telling them to put off the old man, put on the new man. And then they're exhorted this, put away lying and speak every man truth with his neighbor. Work for what you get, don't steal. Speak good and edifying words, not corruption. He says you're going to be angry sometimes, but but don't even let a day complete with you still angry. Don't even let the sun set, and in the winter time that's really early, isn't it? Don't even let the sun go down on your wrath. And then he says this: neither, neither give place to the devil. Now that's dangerous territory, if you ask me. Yes. You you, so so this verse is saying don't give don't give place to the devil. We talk about dangerous territories when you start flirting with something that if you mess with it, you end up giving a place to Satan to let him have his way in your life. That's dangerous. You're human. I'm human. We're gonna get angry. We, we will have that emotion of anger that bursts up inside of us. But what the Bible says here very quickly is don't you dare sin. Don't you anger is going to happen. You are, you are of a sin nature. Anger is going to happen. Something's going to make you angry. Don't you dare sin in it. And we'll talk about how anger and sin can be connected. Don't act on it. Be careful with it. You're flirting with trouble because you're flirting with something that's going to give place to the devil. Now, aren't we supposed to be angry at sin, though, right? Well, shouldn't we be angry at sin? Doggone it. Bless God, the sinners of this world. And, okay, what are you going to do about it? you going to go out and hit them? You're going to punish them? God, God can handle the punishment part. In fact, his wrath abides on them who haven't called on Christ yet. So really, we shouldn't be going out there to be angry at them. We should be going out there to rescue the perishing, shouldn't we? If we go out there angry at their sin, then what are we doing? We're just putting the wrath of God on them even deeper. I mean, pushing them further and further away. But here's the problem. When we say, hey, shouldn't we be angry at sin? Here's the problem. This is my sin right here. I like it. I'm not angry at that. That one right there, that's her issue. I'm mad at that sin. That's the worst sin in the world. When we want to be angry at sin, we're angry at theirs. Never ours. So that's a problem. Aren't we imperfect in this anger issue? Because we usually, when we get angry in this righteous indignation, it's something we don't have an issue with ourself. Um It's always the things that others have a problem with. And... and, and We really look at it. God took out his wrath on Jesus Christ for the sins of the entire world. There's not one person who breathes today that the wrath of God has not been poured out on Jesus Christ for their sin. And all they have to do is call on him for salvation. Isn't that wonderful news? Now, we look at it and say, well, my sin is covered. Isn't that great? But what about theirs? Jesus paid for their sin too. Let let them accept the payment for their sin. Just try to rescue the perishing, try to help them. We're, we're told that we're supposed to be angry at sin, but in reality, Jesus suffered enough to pay for it in my sin, and I just have a hard time being angry at it. I have, I have an easier time just being thankful, just being grateful. My sin's covered. Their sin is covered. They just don't know it yet. My goodness, what a difference it makes, because it's a huge relief when I don't have to be mad at their sin. Huge relief. Um... The second, we've looked at the fact of anger, the second is the act of anger. Here's the thing with anger, when we hold on to it, we end up acting in it. It's never pretty. I've never seen somebody have an angry outburst and it go well for them. Never. Usually, I really enjoy it because somebody takes something like a football and they slam it down really hard because they're mad and it bounces up and hits them in the face. You know, like the, it just makes them matter, and then they go and kick something, and they fall. Like, it it never works out well for you when you act in anger, and usually when we hold on to it, we're going to end up acting in it. It's never pretty. Like I said before, anger, we're bad at it. We're really, like, supremely bad at anger. Um, Here's a statement that I think is helpful. Um, I've got it written down as a reminder to me. And it's this, I can never do in anger what God would have me to do in love. I can never do in anger what God would have me do in love. I want to look at some people. We're going to start using our Bibles a little bit. We'll go to Exodus chapter 32. Some people in Scripture and acting, they acted in anger. And I want to just look at how it worked out for them. Exodus 32 and verse 19, it says, and it came to pass as soon as he came nigh into the camp that he saw the calf and the dancing. And Moses' anger waxed hot. Now if you're going to get angry, be angry at the children of Israel who are worshiping a false god. Very shortly after you just left to go talk with God face to face, his anger waxed hot, and he cast the tables out of his hands and broke them beneath the mount. We just read about the first man in history to break all Ten Commandments at the same time. Thank you. I appreciate that pity laugh. Um, Numbers 22, 27. Look, look uh, ahead a little bit to Numbers 22 and verse 27. About Balaam, the, 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 the pro- figure that out. The prophet of God that is going to tell another nation how to make Israel fall. Okay, that's weird. But, but the Bible calls him a prophet of God. Here's Numbers 22, uh, 27. And when the ass saw the angel of the Lord, she fell down under Balaam. And Balaam's anger was kindled, and he smote the ass with a staff. He's mad at this donkey who's trying to save his life because there's an angel there with a flaming sword ready to kill him for stepping one step over the line. And she falls down, and he starts beating her because she's saving his life. Thank God he had her open her mouth. It's the first time. No, we're not going to do that. Um, I'm not being political. 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel 17, in verse 28, you know the story of David and his brothers. Eliab, his eldest brother, heard when he spoke unto the men. Eliab's anger was kindled against David, and he said, Why camest thou down hither, and with whom hast thou left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know thy pride and the naughtiness of thine heart, for thou art come down, that thou mightest see the battle. Eliab, his brothers angry at David because David has come down supposedly in his mind to come and see a battle when in reality David's the young man who had the wherewithal to go down and get five smooth stones out of the brook right there in the valley of Elah and slay the giant that is defying the armies of the living God. The anger of his brother was kindled against him. Why? Well, he thought his brother was being childish. How about 2 Samuel 12, 5? David's been with Bathsheba. This resulted in a child. He's had her husband killed so that he could cover his sins somehow. And Nathan, the prophet of God, comes in to talk to David and tells him a story of a man who had taken, he had many sheep, and he took the little ewe lamb of the one man who had one sheep. And David's anger was greatly kindled against the man. And he said to Nathan, As the Lord liveth, the man that hath done this thing shall surely die. His anger was kindled. And let's take retribution. And let's demand, let's demand repayment. And Nathan pointed his bony finger at David. I always picture him as having that, you know, the long preacher's bony finger. The real old guy that has like a six-foot finger that puts it right in your face when he's preaching about something. Is it just me that gets convicted? Okay, and he said, thou art the man. Hey, David, you're angry. How you feeling right now? Your anger's kindled and you're ready to kill somebody. How you feeling? Because you're the one. Your anger's, anger's pretty well placed, isn't it? It didn't go very well for these people who acted in anger. And you know what? I didn't cherry pick, but I didn't read every single account of somebody who got angry and acted in it. I just picked some. That's amazing. Every time... Every time, except for in the case of God Almighty and Jesus Christ, who is God in flesh, that somebody acts in anger, it goes poorly. Um, we've seen a verse that is wrongly used to give permission to be angry. Let's look at some other verses. James. James chapter 1 and verse 20. James one twenty says... For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. You know what wrath is? It's the action verb for anger. You want to act in anger? You're acting in wrath. And God says, The wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Ecclesiastes 7 and verse 9 says, Be not hasty in thy spirit to be angry, for anger resteth in the bosom of fools. Proverbs 15, 18 a wrathful man stirreth up strife, but he that is slow to anger appeaseth strife. Colossians 3.8, but now ye also put off all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Ephesians 4.31, which we just read from that passage, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Psalm 37.8, our text for this evening, cease from anger. And forsake wrath. Fret not thyself in any wise to do evil. One of the problems with the fact of anger is it's contagious. It's contagious. Um, um, Test my memory here a little bit. When Paul and Silas were in Ephesus, the second missionary journey, they were preaching, people are getting saved. They actually had a book burning. They took all of the Ephesian people were very superstitious people. They believed in magical words. And so they had books of magical words that they would save up. And they would they would like you go into a bookstore in Ephesus, you find a book of of magic words. And they believed the name of Jesus to be a magic word because by the name of Jesus, Paul had done many works. And so they they tried to use the name of Jesus as a magic word to cast demons out. And the demons were like, Paul, we know, and Jesus, we know, but who are you? And it didn't end well for these guys, seven sons of Sceva. And they ended up being kicked out of the house, beaten up and naked. And so Demetrius, the silversmith, who made idols for the goddess uh, Diana uh, Artemis, the uh, original Greek uh, goddess Artemis, made these idols and the sale of the idols was dropping because people were getting saved in droves. They burned, and I don't remember the price. I think it was 50,000, but 50,000 denarii, I believe, was the price uh, of the books that they burned because they wanted to get rid of the magic words. They didn't need magic words. They just needed the powerful name of Jesus Christ. They would called on him. So in Ephesus, there's a revival happening, and people are getting saved, and they're not worshiping the goddess of Diana anymore, and there's a crowd gathered in the theater. The theater's still there today. I think it holds 28,000 people. And the theater's filling up with people. This is what the Bible says about them. I should just look at it. The Bible says that the crowd had no idea why they were there, and why they were mad, but they were angry. Demetrius and his fellow makers of idols were mad. So they called a crowd of people in, and the crowd grew and grew and grew to where they had no clue. And it said, these people didn't really know why they were there. Anger is very contagious. You start getting mad about something, you're going to start rubbing off on somebody. Um, there's, a, there's a humorous story. Or Proverbs twenty two twenty four says, Make no friendship with an angry man and with a furious man that shall not go. Be cautious about those who you keep company with, but make sure you're not the one that's the angry man that people need to not make friendship with. There's a humorous story um, Billy Martin told. Um, He wrote an autobiography, number one. And he told the story about hunting in Texas with Mickey Mantle. Mickey Mantle and Billy Martin were going to go hunting. and, And what happened was Mickey said he had a friend who would allow them to hunt on his property. So they headed towards the friend's house, a ranch. And, and Mickey said, I just need to go up to the house and let him know we're here. But he said we could hunt on the property, so everything will be good. I just got to let him know. So Mickey Mantle goes up to his friend's door, knocks on the door. Billy Martin's waiting in the car. And he knocks on the door, tells his friend. His friend says, absolutely, no problem. I'll make sure that everybody knows you're on the property hunting. But would you do me a favor before you go? I've got a, I've got a mule in the barn that's lame. And I need you to shoot it before y'all head out. You've already got your guns and you're ready. So if you'll just shoot the mule, uh, and then you can head out, y'all are good to go. Uh, and I would appreciate you doing me a favor. And so Mickey comes out and he thinks, I got an idea. I'm going to do one. I'm going to get one on Billy. So he goes out of the car and he grabs his rifle and he, and, and Billy says, what are you doing, Mickey? He I'll tell you that jerk. He said, we couldn't hunt on his property after he told me he would. Let us hunt on this property. So I, I, I'm done. I'm going to go in here and shoot his mule. So he took off towards the barn, and he didn't realize that Billy Martin followed him with his gun. And so Mickey goes in and shoots the mule and turns and comes back out as Billy goes into the barn side entrance. And he heard two more, uh, 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 Mickey Mountain heard two more shots. He thought, what in the world? And Billy starts running out to the car with his gun, and he says, I showed him, I just shot two of his cows. So <laughs> uh, it's a fun story, it usually wakes you up. Our anger is contagious, it's contagious. We start, so, so we think we can justify the act of anger. No, we can't justify the act of anger from, from Scripture. Scripture proves us wrong. We can't justify the act of anger. We can't justify holding anger. We don't have the right to do it, and we don't have the ability to do it. Um, but when we do, take heed, because there are those around you who are going to catch on. It's contagious. Um, be cautious. About the third thing, and we're done, is forsaking anger. Okay, so I'm not supposed to be angry, so what do I do? Now, we started off tonight, and I talked to the fact, because it says, cease from anger, forsake wrath. Cease from anger. The very fact that the Bible says to cease from anger indicates to us that we can be and are, a lot of times, angry. If he's telling us to stop doing it, we are doing it. Um, it, it, It'd be just uh, foolish otherwise. He's telling us to stop doing something. You can't stop something you haven't started. So, when it says to stop doing it or to forsake, to forsake is to give up on it or to let it go, to leave it alone. It should be our attitude towards wrath. How do we do that? Now I can tell you in one word, but don't worry, we're still going to take time to explain it out. It's the word forgiveness. I talked, earlier, I talked earlier about the fact, guilt says I owe you. That's why we owe somebody an apology, by the way. You owe an apology. I owe you something. Anger says you owe me. Anger is a little more tricky because forgiveness, a lot of times, um, I've talked to people who have been deeply wronged, counseled with teenagers who have been wronged deeper and worse than anybody should ever be wronged. Nobody should suffer the things that people have suffered in this life. And, And if I can say, if I can say it was justified, there's one teenager in particular, if I could say, his anger was, or anybody's anger was justified, it it probably would have been his. He had, he had suffered wrong of the worst degree, and he struggled with it. He struggled bad with anger. Ultimately, his anger was directed at God, but he struggled with anger. Anger toward the one who had wronged him, anger toward those who could have helped him but didn't, Anger towards those who didn't know about it, but they could they didn't help him. It just grew and grew and grew and grew and grew and got worse and worse. And him talking with him and, and you know Job, I've heard about Job, I don't want to talk about Job. Uh, well, I don't know what else to tell you. The Bible says with anger, if you're gonna, if you're gonna cease from anger, you have to forgive. And they visibly stiffened. Just, I don't want to hear that. And we talked, because I'm just, how do you deal with somebody? How do, you, how do you help somebody overcome such a great wrong? Telling them you, you have to forgive. Tell, okay, being angry at somebody is like drinking poison and then watching them, waiting for them to die. You've heard that one, right? It's like putting lemon juice in a styrofoam cup. Destroys its vessel. Nope, that's not it. Okay, I don't know how else to help you. So we talked about Forgiveness. Forgiveness. And I asked him a question. I said, what do you think forgiveness means? Because I think we got a problem here with with our understanding of a word. Well, forgiveness means that I have to go and tell. No, it doesn't. Well, forgiveness means that I have to say to that. no, you don't. What is forgiveness? Inviting the person to come back in your life and hurt you again? No, no. God says, if possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. If possible, as much as lieth in you, he's given us an out. It's not possible for him to live peaceably with this person. It doesn't lie in him to be able to live peaceably with this person anymore. So what does forgiveness look like? I love you? No. No. Not I hate you. But no, you don't have to go and embrace. You don't have to go and say what you did. I don't really see it as wrong anymore. I, I don't know you guys, but I know enough about humanity to know that in this room right now, listening to me, is somebody going, but you don't know what wrong has been done to me. I don't. I don't know the wrong that's been done to you. But I can tell you this right now. Forgiveness does not look like going to that person that wronged you and telling them it's all okay. What you did is fine. Because most of the time when it's a deep hurt like that, like in the case of this young man, no wrong was ever acknowledged. Didn't even acknowledge the wrong. Wicked, vile, didn't acknowledge the wrong. So what's this young man to do? I'm supposed to forgive? How do I forgive? What do I forgive? What do I do? Forgiveness doesn't mean lying to yourself and seeking a relationship. Here's forgiveness in a a, a nutshell. Releasing them of expectations. Forgiveness is just releasing from expectations. Expectations. How about, how about if we look at a mortgage? I've got a mortgage on my house. I owe money. I, I love shocking my children. Guys, I owe somebody over $100,000. What? $100,000? $100, how are you ever going to pay that? I don't know, but I'm doing it one, one month at a time. But could you imagine my mortgage company? Because in, in reality, in the debt-to-debtor dynamic, I'm the guilty party. They're the angry party because I owe them. and They say you owe me, right? If they looked at me tomorrow and said, hey, your debt's forgiven. What are they telling me? I no longer have to pay them back. You get that? I no longer have to pay them back. There's no repayment necessary anymore. Boy, that would make a great illustration if I could just get Guild Mortgage to do that. Then I could hold up my mortgage and say they, they, they forgave the debt. Do you imagine releasing me of any expectation of giving them another dime? Month in and month out. You know what forgiveness is? Releasing them of expectation of any repayment. And I, I, I asked this young man this. I said, look, you've got to release them of any expectation of repayment, retribution, or retaliation, or any, any revenge. You have to release your expectation of those things. Because, and I asked this, what would it take, what would they have to say or do to you, to make it right. He said, nothing, they can't. There's nothing they can say, there's nothing they can do that would fix what's happened. You're exactly right. So what do you have to do? You'll never get paid back. What do you have to do? You've got to release him. You have to release them. Whatever wrong has happened in your life, I'm, I'm, not, I'm trying to not be insensitive towards you because I don't know you personally and I'm not trying to be harsh in this, but whatever wrong has happened in your life, whatever has been done to you, In order to forgive, all you have to do is release the expectation of repayment. Release that because there is no repayment that can happen. This goes at all levels of anger. We all have a little bit of road rage in us. No matter who you are, we all have a little bit of road rage in us because they're going 36 and I want to go 37. So, you know what I mean? But that also goes to the uh, deep, 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 irreparable hurt that has been done. Do you know why sinful behavior happens to us? Because we live in a sin-cursed world. God doesn't cause hurt in our lives. He doesn't cause horrible things to happen to us. And over and over and over again, the Bible says, Paul says, his grace is sufficient. His grace is sufficient. His grace can help you to release them of any expectation of repayment. We're going to close tonight. Let's go ahead and bow our heads. She's going to come up and just play a short stanza or two of, of a song of invitation. And, and all I'm asking you tonight, you, right where you are, right where you are, if you are in the habit of coming down and praying at an altar, anger is not for us. We're not qualified to handle it. We aren't equipped to act in it. We have to have forgiveness. We have to be willing As the Lord helps us and he will help us to release our expectation of repayment. Allow him to heal us. And until we forgive, he cannot heal. Until we release the expectation of of repayment, he can't do his perfect work in us. We have to trust him with the outcome and cancel the debt. As she plays, respond as the Holy Spirit leads.